I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Mm, yep. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay. It's f- it, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say we're recording this late Friday night mm-hmm. because we'll be out of town this weekend. Mm-hmm. And we need a motive uh, in case someone comes up missing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So. I'm just kidding. Um, no, we're really here to discuss uh, what's the. Uh, least sexiest name and what's the most sexiest name? Isn't that isn't that the topic? You want me to answer that question? I just thought that was a funny question. Least that's such a weird. Well, because I feel like in any answer someone provides, they're referencing someone they find sexy. That could be. I I actually thought about it, and I only one of those is true. Because <laughs> oh, I have uh, male and female names. I couldn't say. When I, I sometimes in my mind pretend I'm like a very handsome man who's like in a bar. Well, let me tell you this. You don't have to pretend. And I always pretend my name is Kyle in my mind. Like if I were to approach someone, I would say, hi, my name's Kyle. Okay. So I guess that would be like a sexy name. Okay. Also, Brad is a name I would often say. Brad, these names sound white. Yeah, I don't know. What you thinking about? Uh, but like ugly names. Uh, well, I don't like my own name, so. Oh, well, that was my for sexiest male name I had, Joseph. Oh God, you're trying to be nice to me. Trying. <laughs> Nick's been in trouble all week. So he's trying to be nice. <laughs> like I'm the dog. Don't say that. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, we've been drinking. We've had some marijuana, so hopefully we can keep this shit together oh my God. <laughs> for an hour. We can start with RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, wait, you don't even want to know the names I selected? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Well, for sexiest, I had Joseph and Sigourney. Okay. And for at least sexiest, for female, Myrtle. <gasps> I mean, it's not, I mean. Also, like, Edna and Ethel don't. Old, old lady names. <laughs> Mildred. Um, I don't think that's not... Set. Well, I guess, yeah. With, well, I don't want to say I feel that. like... It's if, just to be funny. If those are your names when you're younger, you have cute nicknames kind of thing. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and for male, I put Igor. Oh, that guy who died was named Igor. That guy who died. <laughs> who was in Star Trek. That, like, young Russian guy who was in the movie... Wasn't his name Igor? Oh, Anton Yelkin? Oh, Anton. <laughs> I don't think Igor is an ugly name. Uh, and you know, I can picture like a hot Russian guy named Igor. You know what it reminds me? Isn't uh, uh, in Mar- Marty Feldman in Young Frankenstein? That's <laughs> who I think of. Anyway, so RuPaul's Drag Race Season 14, Episode 11. This is the aftermath of... The world's worst snatch game, mm-hmm. where one queen won and the remaining queens were in the bottom, and they were told this episode they'd have to all lip sync for a spot. So they did. Ah, this shit felt long. It did feel long, yeah. Mm-hmm. It felt long, especially because I feel like there are two people who are clearly like their track record's the worst. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the two people with the worst track record, who are also dancers, have this now another chance or an additional chance. Uh, you know, as much as I like Jasmine Kennedy and Georges, I, I, I think one of them needed to leave and one did. So, I mean, the episode was kind of boring. I don't even know. 
if it's worth going through the lip syncs. Um, not really. It's the not... final two. So it was a bracket, obviously. And then the two who were like ultimately going to battle it out to go home were Bosco and Jasmine Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And each had lip sync three times. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I guess. Uh, it, it, were there any decisions made that you thought were incorrect? I can't even remember. Oh, I think because uh, the very first lip sync is "Die Betty and Jasmine" to Aretha Franklin's "Respect." Oh, sure. I and thought Jasmine did a little better. I think she did a little better. Um, uh, actually, I think she did a lot better. And also, I just can't stand "Die Betty." Um, but so there we are. We're stuck with her for another episode, at least. Yeah, we'll continue to not uh, to dislike "Die Betty." <laughs> But uh, Bosco and Jasmine Kennedy have the final lip sync to Diana Ross's Swept Away, which I think is such a great drag song because it's up-tempo, but there's a big build-up mm-hmm. um, where Diana is like talking over the track and it's very campy. So, yeah, it, but it works though. I think she, Diana Ross could get away with that, unlike... You know Alicia Keys, who I, I, I you hate that breakdown in. I mean, I, I, in that song, you don't know my name about the putting cream in the yes, hot, in the hot chocolate. I don't have the same problem, but it 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 gives me cringes. But which you is know, funny because you do like Alicia. Keys. I like her a lot. Yes, yeah. I have several. She has several standards for me. That's okay. There are Janet Jackson songs I don't like. I'm not me. Well, Nick's <laughs> Nick's two favorite Janet Janet songs are my least favorite. And that is like why, released singles. Yes, and that is why we compliment each other, right? And you, you really like just a little while from the Demita Joe album. I love that song. I think the video is really keep cool. I would recommend checking that out. The song's okay. You know, it doesn't. You just have a bad taste in your mouth because that's right after the Super Bowl, and it, it was just a hard time. Well, okay. I mean, then you really like her. I think what is her biggest song, which is "Together Again" from the Velvet Rope album. Yes. Um, I, I think I, again the video is top 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 notch it's Janet at her best in the 90s but I had it on a single CD and I would carry it around to junior high school dances and request it uh, and also my dad caught me lip syncing to it in the bathroom oh well um, so I feel like to make up I have to say some of my favorite Janet songs oh yes which are well I have tattoos on my body that say the pleasure principle in any time any place when I think about my favorites they would my favorites probably miss you much okay I thought if was a favorite no I swear you said I don't even think if is top 10 really no I swear it's a great song I like the video better Mm. that's the problem with Janet is a lot of her music I associate with visuals okay what about throb I would say Throb is number two. Okay. Feedback, Rock With You. Feedback is uh, number three for me, yeah. Yeah. But it switches a lot. Like, When I Think of You uh, also pops in there sometimes. Anyway. Anyway. Moving on from that. So, uh, you wrote something about can rumbles. Oh, yeah. The the can rumblings are starting because in uh, mid-April, I think April 14th, they'll be announcing their lineup. Uh, But, of course, there are already some things that are being touted as being a for sure thing uh, including the new Top Gun obviously that won't be in competition oh you wrote Top Fun oh I did well (laughs) I was in such a hurry hurry that's why I was confused hurry hurry bustle bustle that's life these days Um, but uh, yes so after kind of confirming that I guess the film festival said they will be doing Tom Cruise like a a retrospective or a uh, like a career um Tom Cruise has a very impressive career. When I think of a, mo- a male movie star, I think of Tom Cruise. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of Scientology and weirdness and, uh, you know, behavioral issues, but in shortness. But, uh, well, I think you also are trying to think of that because he's clearly, I mean, no, I know he's name like, a bigger male movie star, uh, Brad Pitt. Dollar, like, uh, well, I, I think the person with the most, like, Sales is what Samuel L. Jackson because he's sure. a star. But no, I mean like I mean Tom Cruise is like a bona fide A list movie star. Yes, and because he also has all the weirdness associated with, which is what we want from like our. Do we? Do we want that? Uh, I yeah, he's fine. He doesn't. I, I'm talking like he bothers me. I really, I'm not saying he's the best. I, I really have no thoughts about it. But it's just like of all the people to have like a career retrospective of it can. But yes, I care. I guess that's happening. Um, and then apparently, uh, something I'm excited for is George Miller's first directorial effort since Mad Max Fury Road uh, is 3,000. What's it called again? 3,000 Nights of 3,000 Years, years of, of, longing. of Longing with Tilda Swinton and uh, Idris Elba. Apparently, that's more or less been confirmed. Okay. So I was reading that Jessica Chastain is, um, well, several people are upset over the Oscars choosing to not air eight categories. Yes. Yep. Which I, yeah, I've, a lot of people have been sounding off about that because it's kind of bullshit because then it makes it seem like those things, those awards matter less. Yeah. But I mean, that, I mean, don't they have like the technical Emmys and I mean, there are other award shows that don't even do the shit on the same day. So I feel like that's true. But the Academy has already done that with special effects. Like that. I, I think it just feels like a slap in the face to make that kind of a change now. Well, my only, I don't give a shit either way, but Same. but if I had to play devil's advocate, I would say that the reason they're upset is because they want, if the award mattered more, then it wouldn't matter how you receive the award. They're upset because it's not televised. Just ask Joan Crawford, okay? They're just mad because it's not televised and gets more attention. But then it's also like, you know, there are other factors to this shit. Like maybe the network that's airing it, maybe the ratings have decreased and they don't want to give that kind of like... They, I mean, maybe they have other shows that would add dollars that'll pay more than that. Sure. There are other things. But a lot of things, if I was an Oscar nominee and I thought I might win, what I would want to do with that, that little bit of a platform is try to say something important, maybe, you know, you know, you are robbing people of saying something meaningful. But well, sure. But I think that's like a self, I mean, that's, how do we say this? It's kind of like. Uh, like working at a job where they have sort of like an unofficial like Christmas bonus. Mm-hmm. Like every year that I've worked there, they give me a Christmas bonus. And then next year or this year, they don't. But it was never a thing that was promised to me. I feel like no one ever said like when you win an Oscar, you get to get up on this podium in front of the world and talk. That's not what the Oscars are. The Oscars are you get this award and people are lamenting the fact that they can't get on the camera and have everyone watch them. <laughs> but... To me, it's like, I think these awards are bullshit anyway, so it's like, well, sure, getting camera time would have a lot of value, but that's not what the award is about. It's supposed to be to acknowledge, like, best of. But anyway, if anyone cares, I didn't. The categories for um, that are being presented before it's televised are documentary short subject, film editing, makeup and hairstyling, music... Production design, short film, animated, short film, live action, and sound. 
For makeup and hairstyling, that's where Jessica Chastain chimed in, which I think is funny because she says she's going to attend that award. Okay. Meaning she's going to already be in the auditorium but when the red carpet's happening. Right. So she's... The, the, the headline was she's not going to walk the red carpet, which is not what she said. She said, I'm going to make sure I'm in attendance. Well, yeah, because... Uh, yeah, that's a good case in point because makeup uh, was very... You know, her performance depended a little bit. Well, I think it's funny because I thought her makeup in the eyes of Tammy Faye was not good. Right. But, it, it, but you know what I mean? It's a defining. But I appreciate her. And then this is a good example of how headlines get, it's all clickbaity. Yes. Jessica Chastain is not going to walk the Oscars. She didn't say that. No. She says she's going to attend this award that means a lot to her. And if that means she misses the red carpet, then it is what it is. Uh, moving on to Juicy Smolier. Oh, God. Yeah, it spent less than a week in prison. You know, he was sentenced to 150 days in jail uh, with 30 months felony probation probation, and all kinds of fines. But then he was released um, as his lawyers prepare for his appeal. Um, but you know what? I can't, I can't get mad at it. That's the Felicity Huff. If, if Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin can get away with not spending any time in jail, or why can't Juicy... I think I mean I don't know. I think him spending time in jail did seem like a lot considering that this has probably devastated him financially. It'll take some time to recover from it. And because I really think it needs to hit you where it hurts. And I think for him it's like his reputation is tarnished and his finances took a big hit. For something that I think if I did that I, I definitely wouldn't suffer the same consequences. Albeit because I'm not a celebrity if I filed a false... It wouldn't have that impact. It wouldn't have the same One, impact. One, the police probably wouldn't even respond. And the police wouldn't have put all that effort in. <laughs> yeah. But, but the judge said, like, you're very well aware that your celebrity is what created this windstorm. And so that's why you're being punished because you took away... Or that's why you're being forced to pay this extra money because you tied up uh, law enforcement working on some bullshit. And I agree with that. But, uh, you know, also, how how punitive do we want to be? Again, what does it matter how much time he spent uh, of that sentence? We, we all know the system's broken anyway, so I, I, I just don't think it matters. Uh, yeah, I mean... We're still in a pandemic. Does he need to be taking up that space? Isn't the real punishment happening elsewhere for him? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like even if he only does spend this week in jail, like, he he's paid... A pretty big price for this stupid, stupid mistake he made. I agree. And how much? When did that happen again? Anyway, was that twenty seventeen? It was during the pandemic. No. No. That, no, it wasn't. No. No, it wasn't. I don't remember. This is years ago at this point. I don't remember. So it's already, I don't give a shit. It's already gone on for years. It's like let's lay it to rest. Yeah, I mean, he's his. Yeah, the price he's paid without going to jail is very high. Yeah. So I'm not mad I at I think it. what he did was some bullshit, but, you know, let's move on now. Come on. Okay, films that were released we didn't cover. Something called The Master. Oh, there was... We did cover a lot this week, but there were a lot of uh, new releases for whatever reason. Okay. But yeah, Amazon Prime released Master, which I wish we would have had time to do with a, a really good Regina Hall performance. I saw it out of Sundance this year. It has some supernatural elements I didn't like, but uh, has a lot of interesting things to say about colorism uh, on an elitist college campus. And uh, I, th I believe if we had reviewed it, we would have had a really interesting conversation about it. But there you are. 
Cheaper by the Dozen. An, a remake of Cheaper by the Dozen uh, on Disney Plus uh, that's out today. We didn't cover it, although, you know, if we had time, it would have been nice to support uh, Gabby Union. But Windfall. Uh, Windfall sounded good at Jesse Plemons, Lily Collins, Noir on Netflix. Uh, I still plan on watching that, but we didn't get to it. A Head's Knee. Uh, yes, premiered at Cannes. I reviewed it. I'm quoted in the trailer. Uh, I, I like it a lot. I think it's the fourth film from Israeli filmmaker Nadav Lapid. His last film won the Golden Bear at Cannes, or at Berlin for uh, synonyms. He won, he won something. He tied for Best Director at Cannes for Ahed's Knee. Uh, definitely worth a watch. Kino Lorber released that today. The Outfit. The Outfit I saw in Berlin this year, I had... I should have reviewed it, and then we didn't make time to watch it this week, but uh, Mark Rylance, and you know somebody I don't usually care for, Zoe Deutsch, I thought was interesting. I think both the young, uh, handsome bad guys were miscast. They should have been in opposite roles, though, But uh, in my mind. But an interesting period thriller. Could have been stronger, but again, if you, if you like Mark Rylance, it's worth a watch. Movies you watched for fun... There's something inside your house. There's someone inside your house. Yes. Uh, you were in the living room while I had this on. Mm, I don't recall. Randomly. Uh, you know, I'm really tired of movies about teenagers. I find teenagers to not be very interesting, especially in horror films. Uh, and so it makes... There's really a lack of tension. It was directed by Patrick Bryce. We missed we missed this when it came out on Netflix in October of 2021. Uh, it's... Okay, of course it's nice to see, you know, queer and trans representation amongst these student ensembles, although they're not the centerpiece. It, 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 was, it was dull to me, uh, especially compared to Patrick Bryce's previous films. He did Creep and Creep 2. I think the first Creep was interesting enough with uh, Mark Duplass. And I really liked his film The Overnight. Okay. Adoption. Adoption uh, just released on Criterion, uh, so I need to review it. So I watched that today, actually. I rewatched it. Marta Messaros, um, Hungarian director. She's the first woman to win the Golden Bear. Uh, I've only seen three of her films. Uh, this I've seen before, and The uh, the Heiresses, I think was the title, a 1980 movie she did with Isabelle Huppert, also about women having to make... Uh, complex decisions that was that set during uh, World War Two, the heiresses and her. La I, I watched those in preparation to review her last film, which was in 2017, which was called Aurora Borealis, something or other. Uh, obviously, a very important uh, filmmaker uh, adoption. It's uh, very well shot. It was kind of nice to watch it. The first time I'd seen it, uh, there were a lot of distractions going on in the house, but uh, so it was nice to uh, revisit that. So I have to write about that. Something called Son? Oh, yeah. Uh, I still had a few um, screeners from this year's Berlin, and I'm supposed to write a review on that. But uh, it was in the Encounters program. I think it won Best First Narrative. Uh, Ulrich Seidel produced it, and it has Seidel vibes, but it's about a young Kurdish woman living in Vienna, uh, and her and both her friends uh, where, film... Uh, a music video to Losing My Religion that takes off and it kind of uh, it affects their young lives. And then kind of hopefully quickly, I wanted to bring up again, we reviewed all four episodes of Bad Vegan. Mm -hmm. 
and then lots of comments. It seems like people were equally as frustrated with the docu-series as we were. On Netflix, yeah. On Netflix. Basically, I mean, I, I think my general thought was, like, this is poor reporting, poor documentary, doc, documentarian work, and it's not fun watching someone lie about lying. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, so you think I'm stupid. That really bothered well, me. Well, especially because there's no counter to it, so... No, there's no one challenging her directly or like you had mentioned in our review on YouTube no mental health professionals talking about sort of this major claim she's making about coercion and mm-hmm. manipulation but I was thinking is there anything you didn't say in the review that because I know there was something I I wanted to bring up that we forgot to bring up oh I well if I had known we were going to talk about it I'm sure I would have had time to think about well I was thinking so the man Jeffrey Colodrone, the the, uh, the, restu- the the restauranteur who assisted Sarma in opening Pure Food and Wine, the investor, the yeah, the, well he runs he owns a bunch of restaurants, yeah. but he basically loaned her two million or sold her the restaurant for two million dollars. But yeah, the, the one the one who looks like he could have been the stunt double for the guy that plays uh, Ray Romano's brother on Everybody Loves Raymond. Interesting. Okay. Um, but no, what I didn't get to mention is I think I mean I kind of alluded to the fact that it is not made clear what type of loan mm-hmm. she took out. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because yeah. initially she says she took out a loan. She she bought pure food and wine for two million, gave five hundred thousand in cash, and then borrowed one point five million. But then at a point she's talking about how he could wipe out all of her debt. But then I realized she was talking about Anthony Stranges, mm-hmm. and that's why she married him because he said he had all this money and he could pay off her debt. But he could only do it if they were married because they talked to like an accountant. But then, but then a little later, she says that the restauranteur guy, Jeffrey, told her, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he talks about how she didn't pay me for many months or she would drop off a check for this. And it was very inconsistent. And then she mentions how sometime much later, like it sounds like more than a year it took her to have the money to write him a check for 100000 So the thing I didn't get to say is that what kind of damn loan... Like, who does she owe this money to? And and if it's to Jeffrey, because it can't be a bank. Because a bank just doesn't take sporadic payments and then a right. lump sum after a year. You would have already been, like, you would have defaulted. So then it makes me think that either that Jeffrey guy gave her a personal loan. Like, he said, yeah, girl, I'll loan you $1.5 million, just pay me back. And I'll write it down in my little journal in the, in the safe. So I... I just was so frustrated that no one addressed the fact, like, why would this man give this beautiful woman $1.5 million to just be like, yeah, pay me when you get a chance? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Based off of how she treated the guy she was with to get the restaurant, mm-hmm. Anthony Stranges, the way she talked about Alec Baldwin, mm-hmm. like, I think Sarma... Ain't nothing but a gold digger. I think she's a gold digger. Like, mm-hmm. she's, just, <laughs> she's just using men... To get something. <laughs> that reminds me of that movie Babyface where that old man's telling Barbara Stanwyck, using Nietzsche to tell Barbara Stanwyck to use men. <laughs> well, no, he's telling her not to use men, but she interprets it. Yes, yes, men. yes. 
Um, but anyway, so that's all I wanted to say. Uh, I agree with that. It, it's sus for sure. Moving on to projects of interest. Oh, uh, yes. Dr. Jekyll. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the director, somebody named Joe Stevenson, but uh, I had seen that Lindsay Duncan, uh, who I really like, and Simon Callow had been... Uh, uh, you wrote Simon Cowell. It's, it's Callow. Uh, <laughs> but wouldn't that have been interesting? Uh, are joining Eddie Izzard in a Dr. Jekyll, a contemporization. Okay. I'm, I'm in it for Eddie and Lindsay, for sure. True Love. Uh, Gareth Edwards has uh, is doing some new sci-fi movie. Uh, he did Monsters, which you saw with me in Toronto, which I remember really liking. Uh, in that movie, there was an indie film that kind of led him to getting uh, making that Godzilla reboot in 2014. Okay. Poison. Del Biv DeVoe. Not. Oh. BBD. Uh, the director, it's a debut filmmaker from, uh, her name is Desiree Nasbush, but I'm excited because it's starring Trina Deerholm and Tim Roth uh, as a divorced couple who have to meet again to exhume the body of their dead son, dead son because something toxic is uh, kind of seeping into the soil. Speaking of BBD, that makes me think of DVD, which makes me think of Dr. Steve Brule. Played by John C. Riley. Played yes. by John C. Riley. Does he still do that? I don't know, but if you, I, I believe it was like a little series on Adult Swim. <laughs> and the videos are short. They're like three minutes long. But if you are not familiar with what I'm talking about, get on YouTube and look up Dr. Steve Brule. B-R-U-L-E. Um, it's John C. Riley playing a man who appears to have special needs, maybe. Um, He's just special. But, yeah, yeah, but I don't think. But I don't think it's like mocking anyone. It's just like this guy who's kind of off and, and delusional. My favorite episode is when he wants uh, seafood. Oh yeah, doesn't he get sick? And he goes to the bay, like Marina Del Rey, and. He can't afford the prices in the seafood restaurant. Mm -hmm. So he goes out to the dumpster and starts eating like seafood that's been thrown away in this big ass dumpster. And then I still, to this day, I'm not clear if he really drank this water. But the, the food is like, it has gone bad, so it tastes terrible. And he grabs a glass and like gets water from the bay. And it's like dirty water, and then he just drinks it. <laughs> there are so many good episodes. Yes. Dr. Steve Brule. Moving on. So, uh, was that there, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, there is an entry in the obituary section. Yes. Takarda Akira. That's not a heart problem, people. That is a. Tachycardia. <laughs> uh, that is an 87 year old uh, actor uh, who's in a lot of uh, vintage Godzilla films. He was, uh, yeah, he was 87 past. That away. makes me think, oh, so uh, goodbye to this man, person. Mm -hmm. Wait, who are they again? Takarda Akira. A director? No, actor in a bunch oh. of Godzilla films. Oh, got it. Like the, the original series of Godzilla films. Like Godzilla vs. Mothra, blah, blah, blah. That makes me think of Angina. Um, the heart condition. The heart condition, but then there's a character in, I believe, the Players Club named Angina Williams. Okay. Isn't that the lesbian, like the one who... The, the really aggressive that one. That sounds right, yeah. I knew a girl in high school named Angina. <laughs> Which just reminds me of Lisa Ray. Who do we just... What did we just see Lisa Ray on? She does that... Sh like... Wild and Out or something? 
Oh, she she's in the trailer for the new season of Wild and Out, but oh, she's yeah, also. Yeah. But you also saw her. Um, she does like a like an like a web talk show that's supposed to be like the talk. Oh the yes, yes, yes. And I'm now forgetting the name of it, but it's on like Fox and Friends or something like that. Yeah, with Vivica a. Fox is going Vivica off a. Fox, about uh, um, Claudia Jordan. I they believe. were going off about Laverne Cox. They were going off about Laverne Cox on the red carpet, like doing one of those red carpet correspondence gigs. And Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith approach her to talk. And Laverne Cox somehow throws in the whole entanglement thing. And they thought that that was really disrespectful and stupid. Which, I guess if I were like an... It's like how if I had aspirations to be like an actor or work in entertainment. And then with all this shit, I'd talk about Tyler Perry. Like... It's probably going to hurt my chances because just like how he's doing Monique and blacklisting her Uh and blackballing her, I feel like it was stupid of Laverne Cox to maybe deliberately make Will Smith uncomfortable. Yeah. But I don't know. I didn't watch the actual um, interaction, so I don't know exactly what uh, took place. But anyway, you brought that up. I don't know why you brought up that. This weed Lisa is, Ray. This weed is kicking in. Lisa Ray. We watched the Players Club recently. Yeah, we did. It's not good. She's a beautiful lady. She is, but that movie's not very good. And it has some uh, some very dated uh, lesbian tendencies. And we because we because re- the Players Club has a really good reputation. I remember we we were like, what did people think about this? And was it nineteen ninety nine? And Roger Ebert gave that shit a glowing review. I think for the time, in comparison to other sort of urban films, sure, okay. But I think that it. I. 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 The late night. I mean, you had other really great urban films. Belly was what ninety eight. No, for sure. But there were also a lot of films that were just like. I think this one felt. Mm-hmm. I recall liking the Players Club, and upon a rewatch, I recall thinking, it's "Okay, I think." I don't think she carries. You know what it is. I think I have very strong memories of like this is like this uh, debut performance by this person. I remember people talking about Lisa Ray and yeah, I I have memories. Oh, she's not the worst. It's just it's a it feels rough, I guess, in retrospect. Her best friend, who she lives with, who's like a drug addict, or (laughs) is that her best friend or her sister? I don't remember now. But we watched. Didn't we? Did we watch that as a double feature with Gang of Roses with Lil Kim? Oh, maybe. Oh, that's not good. It's not that's good. very entertaining, but not good. Anyway. Oh, we have a lot of time left, and I don't think I need it, because your selection for Secret Film this week kind of confused me, but... I don't think so, because pl- we should have watched it last weekend. And we so we just reviewed Deep Water, the new Ben Affleck movie, but it's Directed based on a book which had an original film version from 1981, starring Isabelle Huppert. And Jean-Louis Trintignant. Called... Deep Water. Well, no, it's called like Do... Do... The French... Yeah, what's the French name? The English language translation is Deep Water like the novel. Yeah, but what's the French name? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Anyway, so you decided that we should watch that film. Uh, yeah, because you have not seen an Isabelle Huppert film uh, prior to 1994. I think this is a good example of you doing things for your own reason instead of what might be enjoyable, but whatever. Uh, well, because it's like in the in the context of knowing that I would have to talk about it on a podcast, I feel like... I'm not super inspired because I already made a video talking about this story a week ago. But uh, just to recap, the basic story is 
There is a married couple, a man and a woman. They have a kid. She's probably like nine. And the man is considerably older than the woman. And basically the woman is... They have an open relationship, but it's clear that the husband is maybe doing this because he feels like he has no other choice and witnessing his wife... Um, <clears throat> witnessing his wife interact with these other men is really upsetting to him. Mm -hmm. um, but Nick, you looked up the French language title. It's Au Profondus. Au Profond? Au Profond. Which, which is like making... I'm saying it like it's Latin. Uh, which is making uh, a plural of the water, the deep waters. Deep waters. I think that's a better title, deep waters than deep water. Sure. So um, the husband is becoming hostile and sort of threatening the men who she's seeing, telling them that he's killed other men she has seen. Ultimately, he does kill one of the men. Mm -hmm. Actually, he kills two men. Mm -hmm. uh, his wife suspects he's done it. She tries to tell everyone he did, but the police ignore the claims. And the end of the film is... In a roundabout way, the couple acknowledges to each other that he has, in fact, killed someone and that she knows he has and they will move forward. The end. So um, I thought it would be interesting because uh, one, the Isabel connection and also it's the the remake is still very fresh in your memory to compare. And I think the well, I like, you know, last week I just watched all three versions of the film Love Affair. I love that kind of shit. But I. I Note taken that you don't. So uh, what... Well, yeah. Well, no, I, I'm not saying I don't like watching... Uh, I think under different circumstances, but knowing that... I, you know, the excitement I had about reviewing Deep Water a week ago because I didn't know the story is very obvious in our review of it because it's like, you know... So are you saying that you wish you had seen this before? I'm saying that I don't know that it made sense to have me watch a movie that I have to talk about Okay. A week after I already talked about the same story. Because now the excitement about it, there's nothing about it that's surprising. So then I was just focusing on like, well, what's different from sure. this one? So what will I say? I did like this version, the French original film version, better um, for a number of reasons. I think the French do better with this type of film noir uh, lens. Well, I'm not qualified. I, I wouldn't make a general statement like that because I, I don't know that I can. But I would say that I just think that the portrayal of the wife by Isabelle Huppert seems more in line with what I would think because I think Anna de Armas is just, she's a beautiful woman. So I think that portrayal is relying on the fact that she's just so beautiful. A trophy wife. But her being beautiful has nothing to do with her having hot draws mm -hmm. versus Isabelle's character seems like more than having hot draws, I think she seems a little like psycho. <laughs> Which works really well. Well, yeah, because I feel yeah. like in a relationship like that, in the in the dynamic they have, it it would make sense to me that she's a little off, mm -hmm. like that she's she's selfish mm -hmm. and delusional. It it's almost better that she's not this gorgeous woman, because it's like, bitch, you keep pushing me, you keep pushing me, but the day's gonna come where like no one's buying what you're selling, ho. 
And my old ass is going to be out of here. So uh-huh. I almost feel like it was perfect that she played it because it's like she's not... Because even the way she's styled, there's very little makeup. She's very fresh-faced. She's, she looks younger than her actual age. Well, she's 28 at the time. I think she looks cute. But yeah, she she's, not, very she's, cute she's not like a seductress. No, Isabel's a beautiful woman. But I mean, she's very petite and she has a boyish haircut, no very. makeup. Her body is... Well... You see her naked a lot. You see her naked a lot. But she's not like... She has youth and, you know, vitality going for her, but she's, I mean, there are other women in the movie who are more beautiful than her. So I think it makes sense that the, Isabel's performance, that characterization makes more sense to me because I think she just doesn't recognize <laughs> what she's, I think she's just thinking about right now, like. This is my life right now. This is what I want to do. It's all about me. This, like, I just, I'm going to do it. Like I always say, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's, I, I get that vibe from her a lot. Mm-hmm. From Anna de Armas, I didn't get that. I think from her, I got this sense that like she should be able to do whatever she wants because she's so desirable. Yeah. Who's going to lock me up? Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, you're lucky to have me. So you definitely can't expect me to like do what you, like, do what you say versus with this performance by Isabel. It really does seem like she's just, she's playing with this man. She knows that he loves her and will be with her. He'll just tolerate all her bullshit. But then it's also like, girl, well, dis- you're playing with fire because, bitch, I mean, you aren't the baddest bitch on the block. Like, and I'm going to get tired of you eventually. Well, he you does, know what I mean? In this version, he Jean-Louis does kiss uh, the uh, the writers, the the. Played, the one that's played by Tracy Letts in the remake, but the one that doesn't like him, his wife. You know, well, let's his... talk about what's different. So, first off, in the Ben Affleck version, he only tells one of the men. Well, first of all, in the French version, the, in the original, there are more men to speak of. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, there are things in the, with the French version directed by Michel Deville. Uh, does have a lot more it, it does stay truer to the book overall because i also just read the novel right so there are more men also so the husband telling one of the men you know i killed another one of my wife's tricks in the french version he tells two guys that mm-hmm. versus in the new version he only tells one then in the french version so we first find out about her activities because one of her male companions has gone missing and in the french version when we find out that that man has actually been found dead when her husband tells her she's like okay thanks but like she's she she Mm -hmm. doesn't care in the ben affleck version anna is upset when she Mm -hmm. finds out yeah i also think that this the french version it just makes so much sense to me on so many levels because it's like I don't know. It just makes so much sense. Well, because the disparity between the couple is so much more apparent than because Ben Affleck still looks pretty good. Uh, like in the in the women correspond that way well, in the community around him. I would. I yes, you're correct, but I don't think that that matters in the story because Isabel's not as beautiful as Anna de Armas, and the man playing her husband, Jean Louis. Uh, He's not a bad looking man, but no. what balances it out is 
the men who she's interacting with, some of them are not that appealing. Some of them are... They're less appealing than... Than her husband. Well, the one for sure is less appealing. The, the one that gets drowned. Versus in the Ben Affleck version, all of the men she's seeing are younger and handsome. Which, in you know, in the book, Highsmith takes... The pianist, the first one murdered, uh, Patricia Highsmith takes a, a special delight in painting this man as like feeble, like puny, like extremely unattractive, almost rodent-like. Hmm... But what I, well, what I was going to say about the men is, the, or about that char- the Isabel's character's um, reaction to knowing one of the men died, her reaction makes more sense to me because I think a person like her who's doing what she's doing in her marriage, she doesn't care about these men. She just wants... She cared that it looked bad that her husband was saying she ki- that he killed him. So when it was made plain that that was a lie her social standing and her ability to find other men she wants became was normal again from her character i get that she wants her freedom because in this movie they don't in the ben affleck version it's very clear anna de Armas is a terrible mother she does not want to be a mother yeah but in this version with isabel she has some tenderness with her. A little bit, but then other than that, it's like they're not, I mean, they're, they don't even have scenes together. Yeah, she just. <laughs> so I think that's. Yes, I just like this version so much better because it's like a woman doing what she's doing is selfish. She's mm-hmm. just selfish. She just wants to do what she wants to do. She doesn't care about these men. She does value her husband, but only because he tolerates her. Mm-hmm. And without him, because in this one, the, another difference is in the French version, they talk about divorce. And they actually talk about book too, yeah. spousal support. Yeah. In the new version, they don't. No. Which is, I think, a mistake because for me, it's like... Because, they, I, be, because it doesn't feel even. Because I think she's... Even if it's written in the book and performed by Isabel, I think that's also a tactic or a ploy to play with him too. Yeah. I, I think she's playing with him. I, it, it feels like more of a strange game... In this, then, which High Smith was really good at strange games with her kind of sociopaths, but uh, yeah. In this version, we see the husband kill the man in the pool mm-hmm. because in the new version, Ben gets out of the pool. Then we see the man's dead. Mm-hmm. Then we get like sort of flashbacks, but mm-hmm. then you know that could be him. We don't know what that yeah. is, but. You know, they try we, to make some ambiguity. Right, but in this one, it's very clear yes. he killed this man. Yeah, he stands on he his shoulders. A, and then he kills the second man as well. The, okay, um, what's interesting about this, in the book, what's the French version has this man coming from Canada because he's a, he, he makes perfume in the French film, and this man's coming to, apparently wants to buy some to distribute in the U.S., and uh, Isabel seduces him, and then he won't leave, so he, he has to kill him, I guess, and dump his body in the water. But uh, that is different in the book as well. That, that, that character actually goes back home. So the husband in both versions raises snails, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, so it's like as a hobby. But in this version, which makes more sense, I guess, because they're in France, and mm-hmm. snails are... Escargot. A mm-hmm. Cuisine in France, a com- more common cuisine. So... She, I, I was like, I can't, I mean. They, they have that scene in the remake too. They asked to make his snails. They do? Yeah. They oh, do. I didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. That is so disrespectful. It is. Do yeah. you know how mad I would be? Like you just, you know that something is important to me and. 
You would just say like, oh yeah, take some. In front of other people, like. Well, she's playing. She's pushing buttons for sure. Uh, but that that don't get married, people. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Go ahead. That keeps the um, strange line where he gets to say, "You have to starve them before you eat them; otherwise, they'll kill you." I remember that in the remake, but he he does say that. In he the, says it, but I didn't. I the, didn't realize the daughter that. says it in the French film. And the daughter says, yeah. oh, speaking of the daughter, so I can see how, because in the remake, the daughter's, she's, she, I wouldn't say she's funny, but she has a personality. And then in this version, uh, I think the daughter's kind of funny. She has some funny lines. One of them is, um, she asks her dad for a dog and the dog says no. <laughs> and then the dad says no, or her, her dad says like, no, my princess, like you can't have a dog. And she goes, I'm not a princess because when a princess wants a dog, she gets a dog. Yep. <laughs> and she says shit a lot. Oh, the mom comes home after one angry and she's like, oh, the shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah, the daughter, uh, like the looks she gives, because in the remake, the daughter seems kind of precocious. Mm-hmm. And she does make comments about her mom being kind of like out there. But in this version, the daughter is a little more aloof. But then some of the looks she gives when she sees like, oh, my mama got another man yeah. in the house. You just, and then they pan to the daughter and she's just standing there like, my mama ain't shit. <laughs> they do, a, they, I think the French film is very well edited. It, it, um, and there's that one scene where she's flirting at the party with the pianist. And it's just a triangulation of looks between husband and wife and, yeah. and the other woman that can see what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, I also like that the daughter in this version is a little older seeming because mm-hmm. it's almost like it's interesting because it's almost like this girl's old enough to realize that what her mom is doing is versus in the remake, the daughter just seems like she's hearing things and recognizes that they're not good, but she doesn't un- fully understand. Right. But yeah, um, I don't have much else to say about this movie. <laughs> uh, Michelle Deville, his, you know, I, the other thing. This is hard to get. This French version is hard to get a hold of. Uh, it's not for sale okay. in the U.S. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like uh, it was a pleasure that I'm. I'm glad that I have a copy of it. Uh, most of Michelle Deville's films aren't available here, but he's really well known in France. He was nominated for a lot of Caesars, but uh, I think he won. A Caesar for Direction in Death in a French Garden, starring Anem- Anemone and Nicole Garcia. Anemone. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's all I have for this movie. Um, we still have quite a bit of time. If there are any other topics you'd like to address, I know we're going to end with a poem, so we. So I'm, I'm not forgetting about that. Um, what do we have planned for the week? Uh, well, they'll be gone all weekend. Next week um, is The Lost City with Sandra Bullock. And oh, Jane yeah, that Jane. video is already um, Locked posted. and loaded. Locked and loaded, so that'll come out on Monday. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. I see a press screening of that on Monday. I'm very excited about directed by the Daniels. Um, they're the ones that directed Swiss Army Man, where Daniel Radcliffe's The Dead Body. Yes. With, uh, Paul Dano, and uh, uh, they did the music video for Turn Down for What? Oh, that's right, with Little John. Yeah, apparently uh, Michelle Yeoh is gives uh, quite a fantastic performance, so I'm excited for that. Um, Mothering Sunday, which I watched for a second time and have no desire to talk about, and um, <clears throat> directed by Ava Houston, 
and uh, Infinite Storm, which I was hoping we'd find time for. It's by a Polish filmmaker I like quite a bit called Melgorzata Szumowska. Uh, this is an English language film starring Naomi Watts. And we have a screener for that. Okay. Well, so do you want to talk about your poem? Um, I, had a, I had a correspondence with a notable poet, uh, Warson Shire. Uh, she has a, uh, her first book of poetry, Bless the Daughter Raised by a Voice in Her Head, she sent me a copy of. So I've had the pleasure of reading through that this week. It's been a very long time since I've, I've read through a book of poetry. And, you know, you don't, you take your time with poetry obviously uh but i well i was gonna i mean you were looking at me when you said it i i you know i struggle with literature and um i find it difficult to i feel like we could talk about this too just my i mean not for at, at length but just my you read a lot and you read very easily and you i was talking to someone recently who reads a lot and they said that you have to make it a habit mm-hmm and you and you read every day a little bit i don't ever read which I, i'm not saying it proudly it's embarrassing that i am never like actively reading a book but it's just so difficult like if i pick up a book i fall asleep in like minutes which is okay too it, and i think but you know you also spend a lot of not to put you on blast but you spend a lot of time looking at tiktok videos and instagram you know what it is and if i think if you, you replace know, that with reading well i Sure. Yes, you're right. I could replace it with reading. I think, you know, I do have an education and I spend a lot Quite of a good time, one. Yeah. And I spend a lot of time studying and I think my background is in science. So reading science and, you know, studying science and math is very different from, you know. Yeah, but you don't have to read classic literature. You can read. No, but what I'm saying is I think I'm like, I am used to reviewing material but with the purpose of extracting something from it which like yeah of course when you read poetry or whatever else you like to read you're attempting to extract something from it but i think and i've shared this with you before i find it very difficult i i struggle with like interpretation and so like i don't know that i'm not implying that like i have poor reading comprehension i don't think that i do i think i just don't like feeling unsettled about the meaning of something mm-hmm Versus like, you know, I can read about how the liver works or how we, you know. But see, that's what I like best about The insulin glucagon cycle, that to me is very straightforward. I mean, there's a chart, I can study it, I can study what each part does and the enzymes, all that shit and it works for me. But then you, you know, you give me something that's open to interpretation and my brain just goes blank. Sure, but again, it's a practice. You know, I I remember being an undergrad and being very intimidated in early... uh, you know, I majored in English, but you know, the early courses you take in the trajectory of that degree, uh, yeah, like very intimidating reading, um, you know, Chinua Achebe's Things Fall Apart compared to Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. I remember kind of shitting my pants being like, I don't know what I'm talking about. But I, again, that that's a practice thing. Um, that's all it is. It and, is. And, and, and slowing down too and taking your time with the material. And you know me, I'm very much into... Uh, a proponent of Roland Barthes' theory about uh, the death of the author because the, once something's out there in the world, it doesn't matter what the author intended. It's the inter- Everybody drink, brings something different to something as well. And to me, that was what I miss about my 
like senior seminar and it, it like English lit courses where you have a hypothesis and you defend it and you can uh, craft evidence from the text and bring in supporting context. And well, how about this? Because I don't want to take away from what you were going to present. So uh, when time is limited, so continue with your introduction of this book. Oh, so uh, Warsenshire, uh, she uh, was received the African Poetry Prize from uh, Brunel University. Um, she was the first young poet laureate for London. Uh, she's probably best known uh, as being, uh, ha having written lyrics for Beyonce's Lemonade and Black is King, which, you know. Well, her poetry is featured yes, in those works. Yes. Yeah, like heavily featured. So, so you received her book of poetry. Mm -hmm. You've you've read uh, a bit to me actually, the but, one, but the, you've made a selection. The one that I read to you is called Angela Bassett burning it all down. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, um, which is a, a really interesting. Po There's a lot of uh, really great pieces in here. So, so what I, are you reading today? Uh, I thought, in, in honor of receiving this uh, excellent book of poetry, I was going to read "Bless the Moon." And please go. <laughs> Forgive us, we blamed you for floods, for the flush of blood, for men who are also wolves. Even though you could pull the tide and buy our hair, we tell everyone we walked all over you. We blame you for the dark, as if you had a choice, performing just beyond the glass, distant and adored, near but alone, cold and unimaginable, following us home. We use you to see our blue bodies beneath your damp lights. We let you watch, swollen against the glass as we move against one another like fish. And what does this mean to you? Oh, we're, we're going through interpretation? No, I just want to... Well, talking, liter know. talking literally through just the, the beautiful references to what the moon means to us and how we're demeaning of this orb in the sky and yet we also give it such metaphorical powers uh, in, throughout like the mythos of, of werewolves and lycanthropes and control... But yet we also think that it's controlled the tide and we also ha want to have ownership over it by saying we walked on it uh, and how yet it's this thing gazing upon us as we're naked below it kind of like fish in an aquarium mm. it, you know like it's controlling the great aquarium <laughs> nice yeah there are a lot of beautiful things in it yeah well I mean I do appreciate getting lost in a piece mm -hmm. and I do recall you know, as much as I struggled with honors English all four years, I there were a lot of moments where I enjoyed talking about things we read. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of it, too. It's reading alone. You know, that's why book clubs are so popular yes. as well. Yeah, and I've never joined a book club because I feel I don't like feeling pressure. You know, I do want to mention something that I think... Um, you like to buy me books. Joseph has a stack of books that have proliferated throughout the years next to his bedside table. Well, do you know how I feel about buying someone books? Is I feel like it's like a hijack of their, like like a hijacking of their, like intellectual property. Like I've purchased you this thing and I expect you to read it, and this is what I'm defining as the thing that you're going to escape into for a, a moment in time. And it does feel very invasive to give. To be given a book or a movie. So if you, or or if, when people would give me like um if you ever like, have like mixed CDs. If you it. ever have a script that you need an opinion on, don't give it to Joseph. 
Talking about hijacking of time. Well, I mean, it's different if it's like a collaborative thing where I understand someone wants my opinion. Oh, okay. Like wanting my opinion is different than like telling me you need to read this book or giving me like a mixed CD and then expecting me to like, did you listen to it? What songs do you like? And it's like, well, now you're making me commit to like 75 minutes of like something that I didn't elect. Like, like what if I don't like it? I didn't elect to even uh, like engage in this thing. So I do think it's very interesting when people do things like that. Sure. I think, you know, just as I was sent this book of poetry by someone guessing that I really would enjoy it to me as a pleasure and a, um, Oh, I wasn't referring to that. I was referring to you buying me books. No, I, but I, I think well, because, I was trying to say is like you know you you know you figure you know your audience, and I guess well you yeah you you enjoy literature, so it would make but sense. I, but I'm buying you books that you would be interested, like this this um, discussion about Janet's uh, the Velvet Rope and all of the con. Like to me, that would be something you should read. If I, anybody should read that book, it would I be think you. it's you know I don't yes. Sure. I hesitate to say I don't want gifts because I think if people feel inspired to want to give me something, that's great. Mm -hmm. But it, yeah, it's like the commitment of... Or that book I picked up for you in Berlin on Michael Jordan. I mean, to me... Michael Jackson. Sorry, Michael Jordan. Michael Jackson. I'm drinking uh, another glass of um, low calories and carbs Here, no. Pass me that box because A, I want to refill my glass. But also, I want to give a shout out because when I first... So, you you drink a lot of wine. Okay, let's not... Let's well, not, you do. Okay, I... And, you usually, and because you drink so much wine, you buy box wine. And you usually buy black box Pinot Noir. Uh-huh, yeah, I like but that. But then you brought home the other day... I've had this brand you've, before. You've purchased Bota Box as well. Mm-hmm. But you brought home Bota Box Breeze, light and refreshing red blend, <laughs> low calories and carbs. So, I was a little concerned because I thought there's no way this is going to be good. And actually, I really like it. And I feel thin. You know what? It kind of tastes... <laughs> it's giving me when like my, my dad would buy cranberry juice that's like just cranberry juice, mm-hmm. no sugar. And it would be like, ooh, this is tart. tart. And yeah. I feel like this is a lighter version of that. Like it's almost like fruit juice, like refreshing. But then I can tell that there's an alcohol content. Mm-hmm. So... It's slightly less than the normal box, but it does the job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, shout out to Boda Box uh, Breeze Red Blend, their low carbs and calories uh, offering. <laughs> it is more expensive though. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. Oh, we might have to switch back to the other. Oh one. no no no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to end this thing. Is there anything else you want to say? Uh, no, not at the not at the moment. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha